Welcome to Homeschool Your Way, the upbeat, open-minded podcast that informs and affirms your choices about your kids' education. We'll provide a buffet of ideas to inspire you to homeschool your way, because your way is the best way. All of the content on the Homeschool Your Way podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical or legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts or guests of the show are not necessarily endorsed by Bookshark. Welcome to another episode of Homeschool Your Way. I'm Jana Cook, your guest host and Bookshark's community manager. Today, I'm joined by Lynn Woodley, Bookshark's product expert, to discuss what to do when you feel behind. It's easy to feel behind when you're homeschooling. With endless options at your disposal, does a homeschool parent ever really feel on track? I know I get easily distracted with exciting new ways to enhance my children's education. Lynn will help keep our eye on the prize when we feel behind. This was taken from a previously recorded session sponsored by Bookshark. But first, a lesson learned. As I was packing up my daughter's curriculum at the end of the school year, beginning of the summer, I was reminded that as a homeschooling family, we didn't need to end or begin at a certain time of the year. I kept her math out on her desk, along with a few books that we didn't get to over the last few months, because I could. This helped alleviate my guilt about what we hadn't accomplished, reminding me that we still could. It's great when we remember that we're in control over our schedules as homeschoolers. Let's hear tips from Lynn to continue to lead us down the path of feeling less behind while homeschooling. Welcome, Lynn. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jana. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're excited to present some of this information, especially to new homeschool parents, because this is the first year that they've been homeschooling and they're wrapping up the end of the year and they may start to feel that squeeze of, are they really going to be able to finish before the deadline? Are they going to be able to take a summer break? and what they're going to do for the following year. So first, let's just put them at ease. Are you ever really behind when you choose to homeschool? Well, the first question I ask people, because I've had that question asked me for years, actually about 20 years now, I've had people say, what do I do when I'm behind? And I would say, behind what? And they would say, well, I'm behind. And again, I would repeat, behind what? Because really, as a homeschool parent, you're not, a, you're not behind. If you're doing the work, if you put the time in, you're not behind to anything. So one of the things I want to assure you with to start out with is um, I've been, I work with schools who have homeschool partnerships where they have homeschool families. And they have certain requirements. Each state has a different requirement for them. So if you're with a school, perhaps you might feel like you're a little bit behind. But let me tell you that um, one school in particular that I'm working with currently um, just told me yesterday that they only require the family to go through week 32. So think about that. That's four weeks of material that they don't require the family to have input into their system, but they are there. So I'm not saying that to say stop at week 32 because that's not what I would ask you to do. But I would just say, if you've done all the work in the in the beginning and you've set up your schedule and you've penciled it in all those 100, 144 book days and you've um, just gone through everything and uh, just done the work for the days all through the months and taking your time off when you needed to take off, where you're at is where you're at. And you know that on your schedule, you, you hopefully wrote it in pencil and that you could adjust that. Perhaps you aren't quite where you thought you would be at the end of summer or at the end of what you've marked as your last day of school, you are where you are and your children have learned a lot. So yes, you have that extra material. And if you were like me, I'm a type A, I need to get it all done. I need to have all those pieces and pieces there. And I'm guessing that there's a lot of homeschool mamas that are type A, So if you're that type, what I would do is take those books and read them through the summer. If there's an experiment for science or several that you haven't done, pick a day through the summer and do two or three or four and and do it that way and have that fun time. But then you're not having that daily scheduled time. You are truly getting a break. But from my experience of all the years that we homeschooled, 
we would want to have those reading times in the summertime. So having that, let's, let's call it four weeks. Let's say you have four weeks of material that you're not going to hit before the end of your school day or school time, school calendar for this particular year, then take that, those books and say, okay, there they are. I'm going to let go. We're done with our school year. I'm going to let go. Now, remember, have you, have you uh, seen those things that say, step back, step back, hands up, step back. So hands up, step back, step back from the material, give you and your children a break, and then just pull those books out. And then because you've done the program throughout the year, you're going to know how to ask comprehensive questions you know, around the dinner table or in the car as you're driving to the beach or to the mountains or to go hiking or to go biking, you know how to ask those questions. Even the geography questions or timeline pieces, it's just a great way for you and your family to bond. So again, back to your question, Jana, how can you ever be behind? You're, you're really not ever behind. You're just truly where you are. And that's the beauty of our program as well is that it's by week. And by day, there's not ever a date or a day written on there. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you you will have those days and you will be able to put day one, day two, day three or day four in there. Um, there were some times in the beginning of the of the year that I knew that we didn't have any co-op. We didn't have any 4-H. We didn't have any field trips or any study outside of the house. And so there were weeks that I would do day one, two, three, four, and then start day one for the next week. So the next week I would start on day two and then go through um, day two, three, four, and then start day one, two, three. So in the first month, month and a half of the year, I would kind of get ahead to plan for the, the latter part of the year. So one other thing on that same note, Jenna, is that if you think about it, you've now tested out a full year of homeschool. You love it. And you now understand you can relax a little bit, you can let go a little bit. And if somebody leans an expectation on you, you know that um, schools don't finish the work either. They, If you even remember of your own education, you, you know that you handed in a book, a textbook that they gave you, and you only got three quarters of the way through. You never got to the end of any book, you know, a textbook in a school. So give yourself some grace. And then if you still have question about um, being behind, because I'm guessing that you feel behind because there's some sort of outside uh, pressure that's being placed on you, making you feel like you're behind because perhaps you didn't get through all the material yet. Um, Maybe they're making you feel like your children might not be where they need to be. I would encourage you to go have a test taken. Give your children a test. That's going to give you the confidence to know that what you've done this year is has been good. You know, because you are working with them on a daily basis, you know that your children have advanced. And you know, it's interesting, Jana, this year I've been working with a lot of families in the last month. And what I am hearing is, oh my goodness, the behavior of my child this year has just improved. They've just gone leaps and bounds ahead from where they were when they were in the public school setting. So just know that when you are homeschooling, you are doing a good gesture, a good thing for them. So if you have question about where your student is, where your children are in in their education, um, give them a test. It doesn't hurt them to give them a test then you have that record of that test, that proof of what you've done this year. And it will also give you proof for the next year of where they are. So it's just a marker. Just think of it as a marker and to give you the confidence of where your children are because you will have those questions asked of you all the time. You'll have them asked where you are. And I think that all of those outside questions that that you get can make you feel like you are behind but truly you are not. Lynn, is there a suggestion of where these parents can go to find out a good test to give their child? I think when you give that suggestion of take a test, my first thought as a homeschool parent is, where do I find the test? Yes, that's a good question. HSLDA is the uh, Homeschool Legal Defense Association. They do, I think on their um, site, give state specific information for that kind of thing. Um, So that's one place. 
The other place is you can call, uh, find out, look up your, on your state, look up state testing for students, see what tests that, that your state accepts, and then find out from there where you can have that t- test taken. Um, for a, an approved state test, you do have to have a proxy. There are proxies all over for each state uh, for homeschoolers. So if you have a homeschool organization within your state um, that is very active, and there, I, I think there is one for every state um, that you can find that, look up your homeschool organization for your state and ask them because they will know. And also they, they typically will have a proxy and also test uh, sites that you can um, take your children to, to have those tests taken. So that I think will also help you to feel more relaxed um, and help you understand that you are not behind. Now, I'll take that back a little bit. And if you are on week 18, have you done all the work you could have done? Are you really schooling? Are you unschooling? What are you doing? So you truly do need to homeschool. You do need to go through the the, the work um, and have days planned and sit down and do. If you're not homeschooling and you have your children home and you have the material, but you're not doing the material, then, then you need to do, evaluate because there are some, and which, which gives homeschool a bad name, there are some who will say they are homeschooling and who aren't schooling at all. So you don't want to be caught in that as well. But I'm guessing if you're on here, you're not one of those parents. You're one of those A-type personalities who are like, oh my goodness, I'm not getting everything done that I think I should have gotten done. Oh my goodness, I should have gotten A, B, C, D through Z done when I really only needed to get through E done this year. So all those points. And sometimes we add, add, add on, on uh, homeschooling. And that's, I, I feel that's due to um, that I need to get everything done so I can make sure, sure and prove that my child has homeschooled and prove that I've done right by them. So the proof is really in the pudding with the test scores. So if you're, if you're doing that, do the test scores. If you're using Bookshark, I, and, and really using Bookshark, your children are going to test well um, because of everything that we run through, the vocabulary development, the geography that we run, run through, comprehension, comprehensive questions that we run through, our creative expression and our natural language approach. Um, that really does help give critical and logical thinking and a test will prove those points. And trust me, if you give them the tests and they do well, you're going to say, okay, I'm not behind. I love your idea of using some of those last weeks of the curriculum, regardless of what curriculum you're using in the summer. What I thought of when you said that was create a mini science camp, take a week and make it fun. And they've, they've had a break. And so they haven't been in it in a while. And now you can just go crazy and take a day or two during a week and call it a mini science camp. And yeah. Yes, agreed. And and if you do that, and I did this, like the when I taught um, Latin, when we were doing Latin, I didn't want to just do it with us. So we invited friends, uh, my son's friends, and they would come over and they came over and they were public school kids. So have your friends, your kids' friends come and do that science camp with you. Not only would the kids enjoy it, all of them, even even the other kids that aren't homeschooling, but the parents of those kids would like it because they get a little bit of break because you're doing a, a science camp with them. So great idea, you know, great idea to have, you know, and then have a party, you know, have them bake something or, you know, do something fun. Another thing I thought of, um, there was some comments that I have seen throughout the year, and I'm one of those parents. Poetry is a little hard for me. I like poetry personally, but to read it out loud with my child or try to put words to the feelings that it that it invokes in me, it's very personal, and and I have a trouble communicating that to my child. So another idea for the summer is have a poetry week, right? Like go to a different park each day and and find either a local po- poet or a poem that applies to that park maybe. And you really could be very creative and get those things done instead of feeling bad that you didn't do them throughout the year instead turn it around into a positive and make it something that's fun for you 
and your child. Because I find that if I don't buy into what I'm doing with my kids, <laughs> they're the first ones to pick up on it. And they're like, you don't even enjoy this. Why are you making us do it? And it's because you have to, because they say so, you know. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought the poetry up. And that's a great idea to catch up on that poetry if you have put it aside. And I would have to agree 110% with uh, Jana here that the poetry was hard and it was hard for me. And I had to force myself to do it. But I thought, you know what, just because of my lack of ability in this poetry, I'm not going to put it aside. It is really just a small bite and all you need to do to start getting into it and, and having the ear for it and having your children get the ear for it is truly just to read it, just read it and and then just to have a little discussion. But like Jana said, is it in the summer, if you are trying to catch up on that, because there is a purpose for that poetry and that poetry is very important to get all along and, and they'll start seeing it maybe better than you um, because you are teaching it to them by just reading it to them. But one of the things I like her idea of doing that, again, I would include the neighborhood kids and I would have them do a play with it. That's what I would do. I would have them read the words and then memorize the words and have them banter back and forth with the poetry and have them have fun with that. And, you know, they could even dress the parts if they needed to or wanted to or dress how they feel when they are uh, reading those. So it, it would be a lot of fun to add that in. So if I think the point here is if you feel like you have let something slide through the year and haven't really done it to its fullest extent is pick that up and have fun with it in the summer. Because if you do that, then the next year, it's going to go easier to in, incorporate that into your week as well. And then that will make la the next year, the end of the next year, not feel not give you those stress feelings so that you can feel more relaxed and go, I know I did justice by everything that we did. So have those times, have those fun times and pull kids in and make a fun day. Maybe you do one day a week through the summer where you have a neighborhood fun time. Maybe it's the science one week and the poetry one week. And uh, maybe there's um, even a creative expression and drawing um, time and they make a book um, and have, have their writing be in there. So um, make, make it fun Buy buy sidewalk chalk and have them write something on the sidewalk, you know, to, uh, to have them experience handwriting if they're having difficulty, you know, um, even if they're older, have them write in cursive in big letters on the sidewalk. There's just so much that you can do uh, on that or geography. Have them draw the the state or the location or the mapping piece on there. Uh, the other thing that I think that a lot of people um, end up putting aside sometimes are the timeline figures. Um, and that's another way that you could be feeling the stress of being behind. Again, if it's one of those things that you've put off, didn't do, didn't have them color, didn't have any interaction with that, pick it up and do it in the summertime. And that piece would be a great history review of what they've done through the year. So it, it would be, you know, that would be fun to, to do. Um, I encourage you to get a sale coupon for the Prismacolor pencils and uh, buy a, a nice pack of those because they really color well, because your kids will color those the way they are visualizing those books being read to them. So it, each child I believe needs to have their own because it creates their own book. And so when you are doing these pieces that perhaps you let slide through the year, um, it will just help you organize everything more succinctly in your mind and in your, in your organization for the next year. So um, again, you can't be behind because if you're doing the work, you're doing it at the pace that you can do it and you can get it done. So whatever curriculum you're doing, don't feel bad about it. Schools never feel bad about not getting through all the, uh, the curriculum, um, but are very quick at being very critical to homeschool families. So just wear that knowledge of they don't get the work done. So, you know, all of it done in all their curriculum. So don't put that heavy on yourself either. And I feel like it's important to banish the misconception that when your school year is done, your child is done learning. And you and I both know that that is not true, that 
summertime is a great opportunity for out of the box learning, right? Like I think our society has done us a disservice to say it starts this week and it ends this week, and then you're free to do whatever you want. But I know in my household, I always have, even when we were public schoolers, we had to do math. We had to do some type of journaling or creative writing or prompting or something because I thought, well, I don't want my kids to just think that when they're in the school or it's school time is when we're learning it. This is supposed to be lifelong. And, and here at Bookshark, that's one thing that we always talk about. It's creating lifelong learners. So if you're taking that excitement and you're mixing it up over the summer, but they're still learning it, it again, it's that idea of like, getting pureeing vegetables into the brownies, right? Like the more they have fun with it and, and outside structure that they can really enjoy. And you can do a lot of student-led learning in the summer when they get excited about something, they don't even realize they're learning. And you're like, oh, did you want to go to the library and get another book about that? Like, and then you, then you keep going, oh, there's an exhibit at the art museum about that. Do you want to go see it? It's like, you're tricking your kids, but I feel like I have to trick myself because I'm one of those people that I feel like I got through my work and, and now it's summertime and it's like, ah, no, that's not, that's not what we're creating here. It's lifelong learning. Why do you think just personally, do you feel like we as a society have compartmentalized learning so much? Like where is it like something that we've just been modeled and that we're trying to kind of re-educate ourselves as parents to get out of that modeling? What are your thoughts on that? I think it is the public school sector of that, that we are, we have been modeled that exactly like what you said, and that it is start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. But I like what you said about the lifetime learning, and I totally believe in that. And it's been years since I've been in college, but I continue to learn. I continue to um, expand my knowledge in a, a lot of different platforms, and and I've never stopped learning. And that's what helps your brain continue to grow and stay strong. And so what Jana said is we we at Bookshark believe in the philosophy of lifetime learning. That's what we are trying to instill in, in families and in children um, so that they continue to read and be excited about learning. And so uh, one of the things that I want to say here is we have our instructor's guides that you guys use. Use those completely and fully, but it is an instructor's guide. If it becomes your dictator, then are you really teaching your children? Are you really teaching them that love for learning? If that's what it's become as a dictator rather than the instructor's guide, then you need to step back, take a breath, review, analyze, and then come back and figure out how can I do this so I don't feel so controlled, but that I feel free to be able to teach how I want to teach and how my children learn um, and put it all in there. I do encourage you to use the guide um, and use what all the information that's in there. And the best way to do that is really to read um, all the notes and all the vocabulary, all the everything that you need for that that week that you're coming into. And that will help it all go smoother, smoother as well, because then you are aware of all the questions that are coming up, the vocabulary, the mapping, the timeline figures, so that when you hit something during the week in something that you're reading, you can stop and say, um, wow, you know, how do you feel about this, this thought, this thing, this issue? You know, is that how we would handle it in today's world? Is that how we as a family would handle that? And you already have the directives from the guide to be able to help you know that that's coming up, to be able to know, you know, to be aware of a situation. But that also gives you that freedom of having it be your guide so that you are in control of the education of your children as long as well as when are you quitting? How can you be behind? You can't be behind when you are truly doing the work. You are exactly where you are and where you need to be. And you are free to take a break when you need to take a break. Um, some people uh, year-round homeschool. I could never do that. I needed that summer myself. Um, and I felt like everybody needed a revive. I, I couldn't do the two weeks and then come back in and two weeks and come back in. I needed that long break. 
because I like to educate myself and it gave me time to be able to educate myself on some passion that I have. So, um, and I, it also, I believe allows your children to have about 13 weeks to revive themselves and go out and just have full-time fun with a day or two here and there to be structured without them knowing that it's really structured. Um, But that's how you work as a family. I mean, you taught your children, number one, how to walk, how to talk, how to use English with conjugations. And you didn't tell them it was a conjugation. You just taught that. So that those are things that you have to remind yourself. You were the first teacher of your children and you will be the last teacher of your children. And so just remember that you've been a great teacher. Can your children speak? Can they walk? Can they think? It's because of their guidance that they got from you. So um, again, You didn't put a time constraint on when they could talk or um, when they could read. You just kept feeding them the the knowledge and the the information that they needed to get to that next level, just like what you're doing when you're homeschooling. And now a break to hear from our sponsor. Jimena, did you hear about the special offer from Bookshark? Yes, I'm so excited. It's happening all of May and June 2021. When you buy any all-subject package or a Reading with History package, you'll get two free add-ons. First, you'll get a free boot camp membership. This is a private group designed especially for parents new to homeschooling or new to Bookshark. Basically, it's an eight-week series of onboarding sessions that help you get started, but it's done in a community environment with other moms just like you. And you guys know how we feel about community. It's super important. And for your second freebie, while supplies last, you'll get their new memory book. 2020 and 2021 have been unusual years, to say the least. So there's never been a better time to create a record of your school year. This memory book from Bookshark gives you structure to make a sort of scrapbook or time capsule you'll cherish for years. Go to bookshark.com slash offer to get all the details and take advantage of this offer. It expires June 30th, 2021. And if you're listening to this podcast after June 30th, still check it out. There could be a new offer by then. That's bookshark.com slash offer. Lynn has given us some great insight into never really feeling behind while homeschooling. Before we continue, here's a homeschool hack from Nenevia Para. She says her children's chores are added to their daily school checklist. Her son likes this because he knows what the daily expectations are, and he also gets a sense of accomplishment checking off his list at the end of the day. I love the idea of adding the household chores so there isn't yet another list. What is your homeschool hack? To share with us, go to Bookshark com slash podcast and leave a comment. Now back to throwing out those feelings of behind. I do love when parents approach me and they're like, well, we're behind. And I keep, I same thing. It's like, well, is your child doing the work? Are they where they are? They're where they're at. And if we label, right, if we're, if we're speaking that over them, whether directly or indirectly, right, we're receiving it ourselves. And now there's pressure. My child's behind. Um, and it's just, it's reteaching ourselves that there is no behind. Right. That right. you can do it. Right. Exactly. And I think in the beginning years, when children are starting to learn to read, um, parents are made to feel like if their children doesn't do X by this age date, that their child is behind. And that's not necessarily the case. And I was actually walking with a neighbor last night and uh, her five-year-old, she was, she was saying, Oh, Lynn, he doesn't recognize it. And he doesn't, and he doesn't. And it's like, Oh, he's right where he needs to be. Yes. There are things you can place in front of him, but he's right where he is. So um, that's one of the things I think that we as homeschool parents do a lot is we go, oh my goodness, he's not reading. She's not reading by X year of age. And so they're behind. So no, they're not. They're right where they are. And typically those children who are taking a little longer to want to read or to read um, are typically on a higher scale for comprehension. 
and really can com comprehend stories way higher than a child that is actually has read early um, because that, that child's busy deciphering words and putting it together. Typically, the, the, the child that isn't reading is here on comprehension where the advanced reader is here for that comprehension. And then once you come together at a certain age range, then the student who has that higher comprehension that's later for reading actually soars and goes beyond that child. So there's no real advantage to pushing uh, the ability to read. But I know that that makes a, a family, a parent feel like they are behind in teaching their children um, and hitting those markers that, that have been preconceived and pre-led. Um, and I think that's the beauty of homeschooling. And one of the things that I would say is don't grade your child. I mean, by grade level. Their age-appropriate learning is really the better way to go and place them where they need to be, like in their in their reading and mechanics ability for language, in their math ability, and maybe that's what some of the struggle is on families who feel like they're behind. Maybe it is where they feel like society, public school, family members might put that pressure on them that their child isn't where they need to. To be or way that where they perceive that somebody else is perceiving where their child needs to be. Maybe that's part of that. I feel behind because of that. And that's where I would go back to test, test your children, test your children and just get that level. Don't even look at it unless, unless you get pushed, look at it. If you feel like you need to, but you have it in the file, you know, where they are and you know, where they are next year when you could do it again, it's a good marker. I think another subject that I hear a lot of um, homeschool parents, especially this first year coming in is, oh, we don't, we don't do all of our history. We, history is one of those things that we just, we get bogged down or we get behind and then we just stop altogether. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what do I recall from a second or third grade history? Not, I can't pinpoint any particular point in the timeline of human history for those select grades, but I can remember stories. I can remember a story about a particular time period within a history um, curriculum. And so I think for, um, especially first year parents, this idea of I feel behind or we didn't do enough. First of all, again, take a read aloud and do it over the summer there, you know, like maybe not every day, maybe find a fun way to do it. Audiobooks, you know, I love audiobooks. They're like my saving grace. But um, when you ask your child, like, what did you learn this year? Maybe, maybe your child is the litmus test to whether or not you feel behind. Because if they can expound and get excited, even about one story about a point in history, you've done your job well, because that has now put a deeper groove in their brain that they will never forget. Other children might not have that experience. So you may be able to get through all of your curriculum in a perfect way, right? But your child isn't ingesting that information in a critical thinking, a lifelong learner type of scenario. But if they can get passionate and reteach you something that really stood out to them for the year, maybe write that down as a parent. Like, hey, this I nailed. This particular point, we really got it down well. And those are things that can really help you feel like maybe you didn't get through all of your weeks or you're feeling like, man, I, my child didn't get a quality education because there wasn't quantity in it. But we really want to encourage you to look at the quality of what you did do well this year and put that on the side of, I did this well you know, and then always balance it out if you need to, what you could do better. But it's, it's not always the way we were taught that it has to be X, Y, and Z. It, it could be CDF. I mean, who knows? <laughs> or X, Y, Z. Yes. So I agree. I, I totally agree. And I think that, um, that, that all just works together. And for me, one of the one of the tests for me is to see does do your children uh, have empathy? Do your children have uh, the ability to talk to anyone at any age and have a, a lasting conversation where that older person perhaps 
might look at you and say, oh my goodness, that your child can talk to me about anything and, and talk to me one-on-one, you know, as though we're peers, you know, in, in a respectful way and have a conversation about things, have empathy and compassion about different issues and situations in, in life. Those things are really what you want um, to have as the outcome, because truly we are trying to raise our children to have that empathy and that compassion uh, for people's situations and, and issues to be able to go into the world and be a positive part of society and, and uh, understand. So if you teach them just that, that is a beautiful thing. And that's part of what our, the philosophy of our program does. So if you do use our Bookshark as your curriculum, um, that is one of the things that I believe that you will see as an outcome. Um, and And if your curriculum that you might be using isn't giving your children that, I would have you review that, you know, and think about that. What is the curriculum teaching my child as a long-term piece? Because yes, the parts of history are important. Yes, the dates and why they happened and how they happened are important for the structure of building um, society as you move forward. That is all really good. But it's more importantly, the that that logical thinking, that em- empathetic um, person that you're building, that compassion that you're building in a person to to be able to discuss uh, logically with anyone. I think that's the beauty of all of it. So if you're getting that out of your child, make note of that. And like Jana said, write a journal for yourself of all the aha moments that you see within your children. And and that is as a result of you putting together for them a curriculum and an education within your own home, growing bonds with your family that can't ever be broken, even through the hardest times. I think another thing that parents maybe need permission to do is understand that when you're homeschooling, you're looking at an individual and we're speaking to the whole child, right? So my daughter, my youngest that's home with me still, she is not really strong in math. And I I had this pressure that I had to get her to a certain point by the end of a certain year, because that's what it was expected of me. And Mm -hmm. I kid you not, after five years now, I finally have figured it out that instead of pushing her into pre-algebra, which is what the logical step would be for her age range, I'm actually bringing her back to fractions. Because from another session that we did, it was told to me that if you want successful algebra, you're going to have strong fractions. Um, knowledge. So according to the charts, that's actually um, two to three years behind in math where she should be. But I thought to myself, do I want to push her forward and maybe take away an entire field of professional, a professional field she could go into because I thought she had to be on a certain schedule. And I was honest with her. I said, you know, we're going to go back and it might be really simple for you this time around. We might get through it. We might only have to do 15 minutes of math a day. Now that to her, what she was sold. She was like, I don't, I don't care if I'm doing third grade math as as a teenager. Like if it only takes me a few minutes, but it's that idea. It's those mindsets. It's like, and it took me five years of homeschooling and I was homeschooled myself. So you'd think I would have this down, but I, it's a, it's a constant bringing back. It's the whole child. It's what your child needs. You know what your child needs. A system does not know what your child needs. And while we have ranges and, and certain expectations, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking, um, when you're expecting a baby and you read through every week as it's growing, like, but that's just an average. And how do we get averages? We take the low and we take the high and we smush them in and find the middle. And so getting, giving permission to parents to look at their child, see what they actually need and be okay with that. And then you're really, you're being an excellent homeschool parent because you are recognizing how you're going to help your child be the best person they're going to be instead of receiving the outside pressure on us. And then I just turn around and put the pressure back on my kid. And who is that helping? No one. Everyone's miserable when I do that. (laughs) Right, right. And on, on that point, one of the things that you said kind of goes back to our programmed 
our programmed piece, you know, that we need to try to let go of. You said she didn't care if she went back to third grade math. And really, it's not third grade math. It's just a, it's a piece of math of, of education, like fractions. There should be no grade on fractions. There should be no grade on fractions. It should just be you learn it and you go with it. And that's kind of like what, and I'm just going to mention one math, math you see, they don't put grades on it. And it's because they want you to learn and master each process as you go along. It doesn't matter how old you are when you're doing the piece. And that's the whole thing that I really would like everybody to consider is remove the talk of the grade level, remove that piece. You know where you need your child to be at 18 um, when they graduate from high school and move into adulthood. You know where they need to be. So you need to know that you just are working through it. And, And like Jana said, going back to fractions this year is probably going to be easy for her. But you know what it's going to do for her when she then goes to the next year of pre-algebra, she's going to be able to zip through. She's going to be able to have that confidence to go through and and do the things. So if you are finding that your children are trudging, what I call trudging, and and it takes you too long uh, to do the, the language arts, that's typically where that trudging can happen. And that's because you put your child too high. You've got them at too high of expectations. They don't have all the tools. I would love to see you put your child right where they need to be for mechanics. Don't care about reading level. Put them in at the mechanics level. Read the books that are there. They might be too easy, but who cares? You're still doing that that natural approach. What you're reading is what you're doing your dictation or copy work on, which is what you're doing your creative expression on. And it allows the child to get solid confidence. With children, if they have the ability to finish something quickly, that just boosts up their ego. They just go, oh, I got that done in five minutes. Who cares? Let them get it done in five minutes so they feel good about themselves so that they're not having to go, oh my goodness, I've got to do that. Then you're going to have a child that is also um, wanting to learn more because they can actually do it. So at the younger levels, I would really say, don't, don't beef it up too much. And don't think that your your child needs to be challenged in in those topics because you're going to challenge them out of enjoyment. And so you really do want to place them right. And so perhaps you're feeling behind this year because maybe you've done that. And if you've done that, I would encourage you to stop where you're at, take them back to some of the beginning pieces and have them redo what they struggled on for the year. Um, don't continue forward if you're you're having that trudging. Go back to the beginning of where you are and kind of you know do a little bit of, a, of each week of what what was the most hard part and then have them do it over. Um, for the creative expression, have them do it one week and then have them review it the next week to, to grade their own piece. To have them look at the errors, it's like proofreading. So have them do that. If you are feeling that pressure of behind. Review and analyze yourself on why is it you feel like you're behind? List out all those reasons. Are your children trudging through the day? Are they trudging through math through the day? Are you just not getting through it because of all of that? And then I would have you review where they are, what level you've placed them at if you're using Bookshark, and perhaps consider wow, I think maybe they were too high because. That's what will happen. And you will burn your children out and yourself out because trudging is not fun for you or them. It's just not fun. So just remember to think of, sit down and think. And that's, I think, out of this whole thing about feeling behind, I would say, stop and figure out why are you feeling like you're behind? What are the, what are the things that are pushing that behind button for you? Is it because the kids are trudging and not getting, you're not getting to where you need to be? Is it because you have outside influences that are saying, are you done? Are you done? Have you got all the work done? Are you really homeschooling? You know, are they really learning anything? You know, those kinds of questions can put doubt in our minds when we are homeschooling. So don't allow that doubt to happen. So sit down and write, write out, why are you feeling behind? Is it because you're only on week five and you've had you know, 35 weeks to get to this 
then maybe you are behind, but maybe it is because the kids are just, it's too high of a level. Sit down and really evaluate for yourself why you feel like you're behind. And that will help you to understand why you've gotten to this point of feeling that way. And then just like Jana, maybe you just say, nope, we're not moving ahead on math. We're going to go back right to where you were. There's not a grade. You shouldn't put a grade on math. You need to have the concepts down, just like language arts. You need to have the concepts down. Um, we have at our at our lower level in Bookshark, uh, at levels A, B, and C for history, we have five levels of language arts that are flexible. Yes, we have a grade on them. And the grade is for the reading ability level. And I wish there were a way that we could level those or name those so that they don't have a grade level. Because a lot of times what parents will do is they will level them for the reading only and not the mechanics. And you've got to do the solid foundation of mechanics. So even if the readers are too easy for your children, let it be. Let it be so that they can get strong and solid and confident especially boys at that younger level. Um, boys are not pencil time people. They are not, they, they go out and they learn. They learn by doing and playing. And, and if you let them, they will go play that history all day long. So if, if for boys, you figure out a different way, but make it easy for boys in the younger level. They, they will appreciate that because they are like Tarzan. I got that done in five minutes, not 20. So that could be some of the reason for you feeling like you're behind is that they're just at too high of a level. You, you don't want to push that. We are really an age range and any, any time. And I do hear parents when they are first starting, especially say, Oh, I want to challenge my children. I want them to be challenged. Trust me, they will learn um, better and faster if they are not too, it's not too hard. Um, it's just like, think about yourself. If somebody's asking something of you that you know nothing about, it you can get frustrated and you can even tell them no. Um, but that no is fr probably from you just saying, I don't know anything about that. I can't do that. Um, and so you push back. That's kind of what your kids are doing. If you've got it too hard from them for them, they're pushing back. And so they will trudge. I personally did that in language arts when we first started because I did the 100 easy lessons to reading. So I knew he knew how to read. Could he do the language mechanics? No. Did it really frustrate him? Yes. So we started on a level and I had to stop and go back and get the level younger because it was not a pretty sight. You know, it just was not where we needed to be because yes, I taught him to read. And then he stopped reading because of all of this for a time. Um, he didn't, I didn't teach him the, the mechanics of language. And so if your child is young and they are an excellent reader, if you call me and ask for, for help, I will tell you, I don't, I don't really care where they are for reading if they're advanced readers. I want to know where they are for mechanics because you don't want to have holes, especially when they're 18. You want them to have a solid language arts foundation. So it really is easier and better if you don't teach them to read ahead of teaching the mechanics, just because then it goes works better together. But all of these things could be the reasons why you might be feeling like you're behind. And that's where, I, where Jana and I are both saying, you're not behind, but sit down and write out why you think you're behind. What are all the elements that are causing that cup to overflow to make you feel like I've got an or I'm behind cup in my hand and I'm going to hold tight, let it go, let it go and figure out what's causing you to feel that way. And, and then step back and reevaluate, how can I make this different? And so through this whole thing today, I think we've, we've talked about several different ways in which you can eliminate that. I feel behind situation, doing the summer things, the summer fun activities, weekly, doing all of that, reviewing if it's, if it's, Input from outside people giving you that feedback, review that, have them take a test. Don't, if you've got trudgers in your schoolwork daily, it's because it's probably too much, too much for them. It's okay for it to be easy if that gives them that confidence. 
if it means that they get to go out and play. And remember, playtime is the way children learn. That's how they learn. And if you think about it, playtime is how we learn too. Because if we're playing with our friends and having coffee and or tea or a get together, we're learning how to have that relationship. We're learning how to do something. Maybe you're having a a knitting or crochet or art, or uh, we're all playing baseball or soccer or bowling. It's all about learning. There's all education in all of those activities that you can do. So nobody stops learning. So it's that love of learning that we really want to instill in the children, like we said from the beginning, that you want to give them that. So don't burn them out on that, because then it will be hard for you to regrasp that. So back up, hands up, take a breath, let go and reset. So if if you get to that point, think of me saying, okay, breathe deep, stand back, reset. Yep. Take a deep breath. Oxygen is so healthy for you. And that's why one of the reasons why I um, have you guys, when I do a workshop, I say do a 2010 where the 10 minutes is a break time that kids then know is coming. It'll help that trudging, but it also reoxygenates their body because you have them get up and move. Everybody needs oxygen. Everybody needs oxygen for the brain to work properly. So um, make sure that you're doing that. So that step back, breathe deep is for many reasons, but it helps you to stop and calm and think. Well, I think in closing, another important point to remember is this year was a pandemic homeschooling year. And like any insti- any educational institution, things started, stopped. They didn't get through all the material that a typical year would have. So we want to encourage you that we're, whatever you have done this year, you've done a good job. Yes. And it has been enough. Absolutely. And, and you've done it while stressors that aren't typically there. So if you are encouraged and are thinking about continuing into next year, know that it's going to look different and that you're going to do well. Lynn, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate your input. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next session. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Homeschool Your Way, a podcast by Bookshark. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening now so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you have questions you'd like the hosts to answer or have any feedback about the podcast, please visit bookshark.com podcast to leave your comments. Or you can simply email podcast at bookshark.com.